0: This is The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show. Hey, Ritz, how are you? Hall. I think he's kind of
1: getting close. I think we're within a week away, getting him activated from PUP. And I think the Jets like their depth at back, in the back. In practice, on a day-to-day basis, I think Bam Knight being the most impressive running back. Now, in the game yesterday, I didn't think he was all that great. But Izzy Abanaconda, I think, ran harder in the game yesterday than he did the first week. He had that one long run yesterday, I think becoming more decisive and hitting it a little bit faster are hesitating so that was impressive by him yesterday so i i think the jets like their depth the dalvin cook situation i i don't want to say that ship has sailed but i think
0: it might be leaving the harbor right now this is the larry hardesty show on 98.7 espn our
2: right, well, number three of our sunday get together here on 98.7 espn thank you for joining us on a gorgeous sunday afternoon Heard that rain waking me up in the middle of the night, but it's gorgeous. Thanks for making us a part of your Sunday at 1-800-919-3776. Also via X at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We've talked a little baseball. We had Rich Cimini last hour talking some Jets and something positive about the running game, right? No offensive. Well, we talked about offensive line, but the running game, eh, Dalvin Cook who? Right now, we turn our attention to the New York football giants. And for that, I bring in my good friend. Former Giant, former NFL defensive lineman, he is Jay Bromley. Jay, happy Sunday, my friend. How are you?
3: Happy Sunday, Larry. Man, I'm doing well. Football's That's- back, so can't can't be better.
2: Jay, let me ask you this before we get into the Giants specifically. Over look, looking at the league overall, as you, I know you've noticed that the league is trending more towards. Uh, the joint practices of a team you're going to face in preseason, rather than putting your starters in the preseason games, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and you know, possibly exposing them to to injury. What now does that do for you as a starter? What can you get out of that mentally? How do you approach the week when you have the joint practices as opposed to not performing in the regular game?
3: Well, you know, if you go and you treat your practice like a game essentially, right? So, you know, you're going to see a lot of things. They're not going to show you everything, right? Especially if it's a team that you're going to see at some point in the season, right? They're going to kind of keep it real vanilla at practice, right, with with the the situations that they run. So you really just use it as an opportunity to continue to, you know, sharpen your skill set, you know, uh, learning from other veteran players. You really don't start to hit your peak and really feel great until probably around, three, four, five weeks into the season. So you're still catching your breath. You're still getting your wind about you for how many plays you're going to play in the game. So I think, uh, you know, most veterans will just take the opportunity to hone in their skill sets, right, versus somebody – stop beating up on your own teammates, right? So you get to beat up on somebody else, Uh, and that's why there's a lot of fights that typically happen in joint practices. Um, And then when it comes to the game, really, if you know you're not going to play, you kind of really just look forward to seeing – the young guys start to develop and see if they, what they're going to bring to the table, right. In the rotation and making sure they understand their plays and seeing if you can kind of extend yourself to like, you know, being helpful because you need depth in order to make it fall in this league, especially in the postseason. All
2: right, Jay. So let's look at the other end of that. Now uh, you're a young player. Now, aside from practices, because of now the joint practices, you're not getting as many reps You're going to get your reps during the preseason games. There's three of them, Jay. And now it's not the the multiple cutdowns. It's one major cutdown day. What's the pressure like of, A, a young player learning to play at the NFL pace, which is substantially different than college, and also the pressure of trying to make plays to flash on the screen to continue your dream is trying to make it to the National Football League.
3: Uh, it all depends, right? It depends on, you know, the locker room that you come into, right? The the guys that are around you, because if you have someone that's honest with you and they kind of, they can help mold you. And as a young guy say, Hey man, like, don't like let these reps get away from you. Like you, like there's practices where the threes don't get many reps at all, right? So you, if you get three reps and then they're moving on to the ones, especially as these preseason games build up and then we're getting ready for week one, you'll start to see the threes get less and less reps, right? The twos start to rotate in with the ones, right? So you start to kind of see how things start to kind of dwindle down. So you really can't waste opportunity at all. So you have to have, literally, really having the right mindset going into the preseason, into those practices saying, hey, I'm going to stay later. I'm going to get the extra reps. I'm going to get mental reps. So that when I get my one rep of that, the starter gets three times to try it. I get one time to try it and I can't mess it up. And that needs to be understood and not, you know, they don't need to feel like, hey, man, like feel down on themselves about it. Like that's just the way the league is. When you're a young guy, you don't get as much opportunity. It is what it is. You got to make the most of the opportunity.
2: No question about that. Jay Bromley is my guest. You listen to the Larry Hardesty show here on 98.7 ESPN. All right. Uh, Jay, let's talk about your former team. Uh, what did you see from them against Detroit?
3: New York, New York Giants football, right? So, you know, we always want to, you know, try to focus on defense, right? I'm always looking towards the big guys, right? Looking towards the B line, trying to make sure see if see how do we rotate well, who do we have in the teams coming in that's going to rotate and really add some depth. So really just seeing up front, physicality, right? Uh, got some good run game right from the Giants, right? So as far as offensively, right, where well, that's gonna start everything for, for the guys moving forward. So I always just look at those things, right? In the first game or two, you just really want the the O line and D line are probably the 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 teams or groups that are probably gonna be the quickest to kind of jump on board. Everybody else is gonna take more time, timing and all that stuff. So I think they're building on that, right? Obviously you see rusty you see you know, not a lot of offense, right? So I think what we're seeing is kind of like a slow buildup from the Giants, right, to see where they want to be, uh, run game, play action pass, and then, um, you know, kind of rely on defense.
2: Jay, what do you expect from the, the secondary? Because that's you kind of know what you're getting. Dexter Lawrence had a phenomenal year last year and was properly compensated for that. You know, Leonard Williams is going to have a flat, a bounce back year. He was not the player he was previously. Had some injuries, but you know he didn't have the year he had. So we'll get to the defensive line front in a second. But take me through that secondary. What are you looking for from the young second secondary as they try to build and and gain some momentum? and some experience back there?
3: Oh, at the end of the day, you're going to look for consistency, right? You're just looking for you know consistency and being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. The biggest thing you want to look for as a fan when you're looking at a secondary, you want to look at communication. It's not even also necessarily about like what's happening in the ball snap. How are they communicating before the ball snap? Is there a lot of miscommunication? Are they kind of – talking with their hands, body language, right? Like, you didn't give me the call kind of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. if I mess up as a defensive lineman, you know, it might be a 5-10 yard game. But if you mess up as a DB, that's a touchdown. So, you know, really helping, you know, as they grow and mature with, the, with some of the veterans they have back, like building on that verbal communication and even nonverbal communication. Uh, because we know that the front's going to get after it. But guess what? If you can't cover well, it doesn't matter how good Dexter Lawrence is. It doesn't matter how good Leonard Williams is. It doesn't matter how fast they get to that quarterback if people are running open.
2: Uh, that's a great point. And what do you like about Wink Martindale's schemes, the fact that he loves to you know, blitz, he loves to send your corners? What? How important is communication in situations like that? even for the defensive front, right, to understand. Look, we get that the secondary's got to have communication because they know, okay, the, the safety's coming on the blitz. you got to cover my guy and so on and so forth. But how important is that for the defensive front? Seven to know where their communication is and their assignment may change based on what, what, what the offense does and tries to adjust because they know that Wake Martindale loves to send the blitz.
3: Well, coming from a guy who played under Steve Spagnuolo, right, it's similar to that, right? So mm-hmm. you know that the communication is very key, right? I'm sending cat blitzes. I'm, sa- I'm sending safety blitzes, you know, mic blitzes, fan blitzes, right, all these different fire zone concepts, man concept blitzes. So you, you have to understand where, that, where your help is coming from and then how you can take advantage in that. Right, So I think it's going to be vital to understand where everybody's coming from. So that, that's the maturity aspect. A young guy usually typically might only focus on what he's doing. But as a player matures, they start to understand how others are working around them so that they can understand how to be advantageous in a certain position. Right, Like, okay, I normally can't just shoot this gap, but because I'm getting the outside blitz, I can align wider and shoot this gap. Right? Because I know I have a corner coming off the edge. Or, like, hey, if I got to contain through B, like, which is something that happens a lot, like fire zone blitzes for three techniques, then I know that I got to widen out and I can't be playing around in this B gap. I got to get outside because if we got a Lamar Jackson, he's going to see the blitz coming from the boundary, right? (laughs) And I'm not fast enough to freaking to outrun him, so I got to make sure I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be.
2: That's a great point, Jay. Uh, and I, I love it when you explain it and take us inside what, what you're seeing as a defender. Take me through this now. Dexter Lawrence, as I mentioned, got you know was compensated, had a very good year last year, compensated for it. What adjustments does he have to make this year? Because now the bullseye is on him, Jay. Uh, he's expected now to continue to make plays, but now teams are going to do some things to try to counteract him. What does he? What adjustments does he have to make, and what is that? mindset-like for your preparation? I know you're always prepared to be better, but are there now more specific things he has to prepare for when he goes up against offenses like, let's say, the opening week against the Dallas Cowboys?
3: Personally, I don't think so. Uh, I've, I've had the fortune of playing with phenomenal interior defensive linemen like Snacks Harrison mm-hmm. um, and uh, Jonathan Hankins and, and, and you know uh, Jenkins. I've I played with some really good interior guys. And the reality of it is Especially playing a nose guard, a lot of times, like there's there's not much they can do. Like the reality is, they got they only, There's only a handful of blocking schemes they actually can actually do, and they can't double TD all the time. You got Leonard Williams on the other side. You got people that can that can manhandle their one-on-one opportunities. So he's going to get a lot of the same opportunities. No, it's kind of no different than Aaron Donald. It's like not saying that he's an Aaron Donald uh, caliber player. No, don't get me wrong, but. The reality is, it doesn't matter. If Aaron Donald's healthy, there's not much you can do because if he's in the middle of that defense in one way, shape, form, or fashion, you have to come his way one way or another, right? You can't just avoid him the whole game, right? And if you, and if you give me two all game, then he's going to beat two people at least 30%, 40% of the time, right? And that means one-on-ones across the board, and those guys have to figure out how to win eventually. So, I, like the best part about being an interior defensive lineman is you know what to expect is not going to change, right? They, they you think they're going to change from last year to this year? They paid a lot of attention to him last year after the first five or six games. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't do nothing about it. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Jay, what do you expect from Daniel Jones this year?
3: I expect Daniel Jones to be more confident, right? You got the contract off your shoulders, right? Because, you know, essentially in those seasons, you're playing for a contract, you're playing an extended your career. Now that you have some of that commitment from the team, um, you can really go and go into it more of a clear head. Uh, so, you know, going there is more of a leader. You got paid. So when they give you the money, they expect you to be a leader. So going there, be a leader. And that doesn't always mean heavily vocal. Eli Manning wasn't a super vocal leader, but he went out there and he helped lead the team and he helped um, help win games. So I expect him to grow from last year. You better continue with his legs, right? He's receptively he's fast, right? Big guy. And, um, you know, go out there and play action, right? Need a great run game in order to help him out in the right way. But we also see that he can make all the throws, you know, at any given opportunity. So I really expect him to kind of take a leap to, you know, being more accurate, less, less turnovers and make a more plays.
2: Jay, when you look at this Giants' schedule – Uh, during the regular season it's it's a tough one (laughs) especially to get off especially to start the season can you as a can you as a team kind of get a sense of where you are going into the season and compare it and here's what I mean last year I think the Giants surprised some people nobody expected them to get to the playoffs in the first year of a new head coach and a new general manager it was kind of a rebuild thought process from us on the outside and they were able to through, through coaching and great plays and execution they were able to get to the postseason and even get a win in the postseason can you move forward and actually have a worse record jay can how does that work how do you feel how do you figure that out as a player in the locker room when you get a sense of what's around you and and how the players are as you start and get closer to the season
3: As you come to the season, man, um, you know, I think that a lot of it is adjustments that coaches have to make and the players have to make. Um, Like you said, their schedule is, you know, it it is a tough run. You don't really have too many gimmies at all on their schedule for the most part, especially this first quarter, right? The first five or six games of the season, you're going against all playoff caliber playoff teams for the most part. So, It's in, and so with all that, it's a challenge, but you don't look, you don't, you know, you don't climb a mountain by looking at the top, right? You you look at the first step ahead of you. You take one step at a time. And what I remember Coughlin was great at was chopping the season up into quarters. You just try to win every quarter. And if you win every quarter, and then especially you win your divisional games, then those games count for two. So therefore, you're going to be in the playoffs as long as you win your divisional games, bar minimum, and try to win at home as much as possible. Now, I think the players kind of take that approach, too. They don't look too far ahead. They know they got certain teams, but by the time you get midseason, you'll start to see the records start to pan out. You'll get to kind of see who's on the roll, what players, and and then that's where all the adjustments happen. The game is about adjustments. How do we figure out how to put our you know best players in a position to be advantageous, right? Most times you're not going to find – I'm not trying to put my best defensive end against your best offensive tackle all game. Because if he only wins 50%, 50% of the time or even 40% of the time, that's not good enough. I want to put my best defensive in versus your worst offensive line, all right? Because I want him to win 70, 80% of the time. So, how do we make those adjustments of understanding where to run the ball, how to run the ball, when to run the ball, and then also understand defensively that quarterback doesn't like to get hit, which no quarterback likes to get hit. So, that's kind of uh, something people just throw around. But, so how can we make sure we make these adjustments? as we see other teams defeat you or have success.
2: Jay, as always, thanks for stopping by, giving us a couple of minutes and uh, taking us inside that locker room for some thoughts. We'll talk to you as we get closer to the season, my friend.
3: Thank you, Larry. I appreciate
0: you having me.
2: All right, my pleasure. Jay Bromley, we'll get his thoughts, your thoughts on his thoughts. That's next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: I don't know. I feel like they have eight, nine wins to Allen overall. Uh, and so do I think, you know, if they go eight and nine or a couple things things don't go in their favor and they go seven and 10, is it, a, is it a disappointment? Maybe a little bit, but I don't think it's a step backwards. Uh, how about we we term it that way? Yeah, if they don't make the playoffs, it's disappointing because they made it last year and won a playoff game. But I don't think it necessarily would be a step back if they went eight and nine and didn't make the playoffs and had some injuries that they just ultimately weren't able to overcome
2: yet. John? Run-On on the Ty Butler Show, yeah, hanging out with Big Daddy Ty. And he's right. I agree with Jordan a thousand percent. Hard to see on a Sunday until 3 on 98.7 ESPN because when you look at the schedule for this Giants team and listen, they got a little offensive line issues as well because they need Evan Neal to take that next step. But if they can do that, if they can get him squared away, and there's things you can do. You can put a tight end over there to help him out until he gets better. There's things you can do. But as long as this Giants offense can find the ways to be more effective in the red zone, and theoretically with Darren Waller on this team, who is the leading, as Jordan has mentioned, on a number of occasions, he is the leading receiver. Even though he's a tight end, he's the leading receiver on this team. He's the number one guy. And with Saquon being Saquon, catching the ball out of the backfield, doing some things. And I talked about this guy when he was in Dallas. I talked about this guy when he was in Buffalo. Everywhere this guy is, freaking Cole Beasley finds a way to make a play in every game on a big-time drive. He just does. I'm not saying he's Julian Edelman. Uh, but he's a guy that always makes a play on a drive. It's either second and long play or it's a third and long play. There's always a drive where he makes a big play that keeps that drive going. And I think if he makes the club, uh, he's going to be tough. He He's going to be big for Daniel Jones to be a bailout guy. You know, that guy that he's – finds a weak spot in the zone, and sits down there, and he he has great hands. So he's always a guy that makes a play. So I think he he will help this team. The record, though, how they respond, how they're able to win, as Jay Bromley just told you, in your own division, that's going to be key for this Giants team. I personally believe the Giants will make the postseason. I'm not in the majority. I've spoken to a lot of people who don't think so. I believe they can make it. In the weaker NFC, I, I expect that. I think they can get nine, even 10 wins. Larry, the Giants get 10. I think the Giants can find a way to get nine, 10 wins. I really do. I really do. Uh, how did they look against Detroit? Well, Jordan will give you his thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> yes, the start of my oh, I love this. Again. Oh Another man. Since I gave
2: you all Classic hip hop on the 50th like, anniversary. We had just a few for you during the show. Old. Oh. Public enemy old. was. Oh, oh, oh. Game changer. Game changer. Chuck D. Hardest day on a Sunday here on 987 ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 Yankees got a 2-0 lead against Miami. It was nice to it was and I I know we keep picking on, and I'll get back to the Giants in a second, I promise, and your calls. I hate to keep picking on Stanton. I really do. But Tom Harvey got the Yankee fans. Did you see the difference with Aaron Judge rounding third on the hit on the RBI hit by Stanton as opposed to Stanton? I don't know if Stanton would have made it.
4: I'm sure. <sighs> I mean, if this was Stanton back in, like, 2016 when he was a ma- member of the Miami Marlins playing in that stadium on a yeah, regular flute. basis. He might have been faster than Judge. Uh, he would have been faster than Judge. He's the flash compared to what he's he is now. John <laughs> Carlos Stanton's hip is practically made of glass, at least with Aaron Judge. I'm confident he can get around third and score. And even if he slides, I'm confident Aaron Judge won't hopefully injure himself like I'm afraid John Carlos Stanton will when he sets a 3.2 magnitude earthquake off when he slides. <laughs>
2: He doesn't slide, he falls down.
0: Oh, well, there you go. I'm whew,
2: I'm I'm done. I'm at, ooh. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Ooh. <sighs> that's a tough situation though. It really is. Really. Is. Four more years on that contract, Harvey? Is that right? Four? Oh my god. Oh, just count the days, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> oh, that's a rough one. That is a rough one. Oh my goodness. I get to join uh, run on in a second. Let me talk to Fran and Master Peak Hi, Fran. You're next on ninety eight seven.
4: My man, Larry. What's up, baby? What's up, Fran? How's everything?
2: Everything's good, partner. What's going on with you?
4: Good, 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 good. Uh, I'm fifty nine. I'm fifty nine. I'm a mm-hmm. Met fan. Uh, you know, die hard my whole life. Okay. And it, this is nothing new. I mean, I, I love hearing people call up and say this, that, the other. Everybody knew this was going to happen. As soon as they sold the team to this guy, everybody thought it was going to be you know, the greatest thing in the world. So did I. But, of course, we, we are the Mets, and the Mets ruin everything. So, of course, what happens last year was one of the worst years ever. You know what I mean? We were in first place the whole year. And what happens, we cough it up with a couple of games to go to the Atlanta Braves, who we all hate the Braves. We all hate the Braves, Mets fans. We know that. But the bottom line is this. It, it's never going to change. It's just the culture. Then we go into this season, and what happens? Diaz, one of the most probably freakish, unbelievable injuries that ever occurred in baseball. Uh, It was unbelievable what happened to him. He has the best year of a closer, I'll say it again, other than Mariano. Don't want Yankee fans crying and calling up. He had one of the best seasons ever as a closer, other than Mariano. And we're going into this year with Steve Cohen spending money. Everything's looking good. And what happens? Absolute disaster. Started with him, Diaz getting hurt. Bottom line is this: put you want the cherry on the cake. I watched them bring him back early, with like a month ago. Put fans in the seats, watch, watch, and you know it's good. I know, Larry, and I don't wish injury or anything like that on anybody. And I want to win, but they're unwatchable. But you know what's going to happen? They're going to bring him back early. He's going to re-injure or something to that effect. And let me just say one thing. I promise everybody, I am done. I will never root for the Mets again if they don't, if they don't resign or if they don't, if if they trade Alonzo or don't re-sign him. I swear to, I swear on who I believe in. I will never, I will root against them every game. I I let him get away with Tom Seaver for some unbelievable reason. I don't know why I let him get away with that. This, Will do it. I will never root for them again if they don't sign him. Larry, be the man.
2: All right, friend. Thanks for the phone call. <laughs> He's right. I can see them doing that. We got to see what he has. Let's bring him back. Let's bring in Diaz for a, a a late game in the end of September. Let's just see what he can do. Let's let's bring him back. The, you know we don't we won't we don't want the hundredth loss so let's bring in Diaz to save the game. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, I think they will sign Pete Alonso. I do, I really do. I think they'll sign him uh, because you know he's homegrown. He's a very good player. He had an off year, average wise. I mean, production wise, power numbers are still good. His power numbers are not bad, and he missed time with the with, with the injury with the hand. And I think he came back early. And I don't know that he was ready when he came back. But I do think the Mets will sign him. I do. Uh, What else they're going to (laughs) do? I don't know. But the lesson they learned, how would they respond? Because that's a lot of money to be paying somebody else, to be paying somebody to play on another team. You're paying somebody to play for another team with that money. A lot of money. A lot of money. That's crazy. That's crazy. Let's go back to our conversation about the New York football Giants. So yesterday they played a game against the Detroit Lions. Daniel Jones did not play. Tyrod Taylor got the start. And uh, we had a nice little uh, connection from a little local connection from Jersey that was uh, really, really cool over, uh, you know, a little Don Bosco action, if I remember correctly. You know, so uh, with uh, Tommy DeVito, he looked pretty good yesterday. 15 to 24, 155 yards, a touchdown and a pick. And once again, I get, I get it. Larry's playing against third and fourth stringers. He's playing against guys who won't even be in the league, who won't be on the team in a couple of weeks. Blah, blah, blah. But that's that's who you're evaluating him against. So he did a decent job. Five sacks, you'd like to, you know, eliminate that. But he did a decent job. Once again, Jordan Runon was on with Ty Butler yesterday, and he gave his thoughts on the jet on the Giants against Detroit.
1: I think we saw the rookies, and they've been encouraging, right? Obviously, Jalen Hyatt, he didn't do much in the game. Uh, one reception, negative four yards. But I think John Michael Schmidt more than held his own. I thought he played pretty well. Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins did some good things. There's still things we could sit here and nitpick. We'd probably be talking a little different if Jameson Williams caught the pass on Deontay Banks, but I thought the coverage was pretty good on that play. He had some other pretty good plays. So I, I think you feel good about these rookies who, by the way, they're going to have to have significant contributions, and they really need to be significant contributors immediately. And Trey Hawkins is another guy as well. Six-round pick, a uh, cornerback who has really impressed everybody so far. Again, another pretty solid performance for him last night. So that, to me, is kind of what stuck out because when we're talking about the preseason, like you said, none of this matters. The end result means little. You do see some of the warts of the Giants, and I, I think, and I've said this even before the game, depth is a concern. And you, you, the spots where you worry about depth, offensive line, linebacker, slot cornerback, it, it's still a little worrisome.
2: So what you're saying, Jordan, is injuries uh, with a limited with limited depth could put a hole in the giant season. It would
1: just be injuries in general. Like, what do they have behind Saquon? Offensive line. I mean, God forbid, Andrew Thomas got banged up. They could be a good team. I think they have better talent. But after the starters and after the guys that they have, like wide receiver is the one position they actually have depth at now. But injuries on the offensive line, uh, running back, quarterback, in the secondary, like they'd be in big trouble if they have a, uh, something, God forbid, happened to Bobby O'Karake. God, their inside linebackers are back to where they were last year. Yeah. we are you going to be picking J- Jalen Smith and Jared Davis? off the street, and they might be starting.
2: That is, when you have a salary cap sport, Uh, depth is an issue. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And listen, every team goes through it. Look what Kansas City, Kansas City might have had another Super Bowl victory if their offensive line hadn't been decimated with injuries. It's It's not just the local teams. It's not just the Jets, and it's not just the Giants. You've got to have depth. And as I always tell you, the quality of that depth. That's it. You can have depth. You can have another guy. But what's the talent drop between your starter and that backup? That's where you have to be as, as, you know, as diligent as possible to have that depth at all positions. And you're not going to be able to do it. It's impossible to do. You have key positions where you want to have the depth. And the offensive line, you just try to have a guy that can play multiple, that can play tackle and guard. You got a guy that can play tackle and guard. That's a godsend. It just is. That's a godsend for you. But I really believe that the Giants will be able to make the postseason. I really do. I'm very curious to see if Daniel Jones is going to play in preseason. Well, Brian Daybo will answer that question next. It's the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7. Riding with you on a Sunday. Come on, put your hands together. Till the top of the hour. Jake Asman will join you tonight at 6. He'll recap the Yankees and preview the Mets. He's got a tough job. <laughs> He's got a tough job. Recap the Yankees and preview the Mets. Oh, man. Love Jake, though. He does a great job here on 9870 ESPN. John Runhaun was on with Ty Butler yesterday, and he talks about that Sunday night opener at giant at giant stadium right at metlife stadium against the dallas cowboys uh how big is that game jordan
1: You lose to the Dallas Cowboys at home in a primetime game. All of a sudden, I have a hard time seeing them having a winning season. If you can't win that game at home, like, then they're not going to be Philly, probably. They're not, and they're not winning in Dallas. And then they're playing at Buffalo in a primetime game, at San Francisco in a primetime game. There's pretty much no one in the league that are winning either of those games, right? So all of a sudden, you know, week three is that San Francisco game. So let's say they win in Arizona. They're one and two. And they lose to Dallas if they lost that game. This is why it's such a big game to me. Then they lose to uh, San Francisco in week three on a Thursday night short rest whatever they beat Arizona so they're one and two that makes week four against Seattle at home just a gigantic game and Seattle's a really good team I believe I think they're a really good team you know you could end up one and three if they lose that opener and and then where's your season at that point so to me that, that game is just so big for the Giants the opener against Dallas they, they need to prove that they can beat the Cowboys and Eagles
2: that's a great point by Jordan it really is because you go further after the seattle after the monday night seattle game at miami at buffalo and both those teams are pretty good once again with miami i mean you know explosive receiver the cheetah tyreek hill is there obviously the big question is always going to be about Tua, is he there is he playing is he not playing what's going on with him and then buffalo at buffalo is a tough place to play on the sunday night you know with the uh, What they, with the offense that they have. So, yeah, that opener against Dallas is important. There's no question. There's no question about it. And he's right. You have to prove, you have to be able to beat Dallas at some point in time, especially in your building. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. And he he laid it out perfectly. You you expect to beat Arizona on the road. But then short week in Frisco, home for Seattle, at Miami, at Buffalo. Then back-to-back home games with Washington and the Jets. And now you're in November. The NFL season goes so fast. I mean, it goes so fast. And then when you hit November, you're at Vegas, at Dallas, at Washington, and you end it home against New England. And I don't know what the Patriots will look like at that time. I don't know what the Patriots will look like. I, you know, there's a lot of conversation about them. Oh, Belichick's on the hot seat. Kraft wants to make sure that he gets to the postseason. They got to get to the postseason this year. You know, Mac Jones. What's going? What's going on the quarterback? I will say this. And once again, I say this under the obvious information and thought process that preseason doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a thing. Preseason doesn't mean a thing. But having said that, Bill O'Brien's got a lot of work to do. (laughs) Based on what I just perused at uh, in their loss to Houston, Bill O'Brien's got a lot of work to do. A lot of work. A lot of work to do to see if they can get them to be respectable especially in the in their own division all right so let's take a look at the at the NFC right NFC north you got detroit green bay chicago and minnesota all right i i could see that there could be a scenario where you could have three teams coming out of the east i could see it really okay Because the South is only going to have one team coming out. Falcons, Saints, Bucks, and Panthers. There's two teams that are not going to the playoffs out of the NFC South. I don't see it. If I were, my thoughts lead towards New Orleans, but I don't know. Out West? I mean, could you make a case that one team comes from out West? Seahawks, Cardinals, Niners, and Rams. Okay, I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking Niners, but I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I'm not sure. Defensively, you would say that they would be the team that would be leading to come out of there. Of course you would. Right Now, the North, could you see more than one team? Possibly. Detroit, Minnesota, Maybe. Maybe. So, you know, I think maybe two teams would come out of the North. I got one coming out of the South and one coming out of the West. I'm not buying the Rams. I'm clearly not buying the Cardinals. Seattle, can Gino have another year like he had last year? I don't know. It's possible. Anything's possible. But I'm just not sure that he could duplicate what he did last year. He had a great year last year. But things kind of broke right for them. So... That's the major question here is, can they duplicate? Can't see how to duplicate what they did. And I haven't checked their schedule, but you know, it's just going to be, it, it is a fascinating situation for the New York football giants. And I think this, I think the division is going to be closer than you might think, because I don't think Pittsburgh, I don't think Philly is going to be as dominant as they were last year. And I think Dallas is Dallas has a Dallas could not make the playoffs again. I mean, let's face it. Is there anything in your mind, if you were a Dallas Cowboy fan, is there anything in your mind that you think that okay, no, killing more, Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the plays. Okay, that's better for Dak Prescott. And a situation where we don't know what's going on with the offensive line because Zach Martin is like, I'm, I want more money. And the run game is an issue. Pollock's not there. Zeke's not there. Prescott can't possibly have a worse year than he had last year with the picks. I mean, he came back. He was a turnover machine after he came back from his injury. So Giants have a shot. Giants have a shot. And they seem to always open against Dallas, right? But if you're going to tell me, and this is a lot of respect because Dallas has a very good team. I'm not saying they don't. It's that they just find ways to not play up to their potential. So the Giants have to, I agree with Jordan, the Giants need to go out there. Hey, here's a way to win. Let's go out there and beat Dallas at home on a Sunday night. Let's show that this is different. Let's show that we're we're all about uh making this serious, building on last year. Because the one thing that we noticed about this Giants football team last year was with Brian Daybold here, they were a team that was buttoned up. They were a team that did not beat themselves. They were a team he knew what this offense could do and he worked it to perfection. Defense was great. And so that's what they have to build on. Now, in theory, they could be better, and offensively, they are. On paper, offensively, they're better than they were last year. They could be better and with a tougher schedule, have not as good a record. Yeah, that's possible. Of course it is. And Bromley talked about that when we had him on earlier this hour. But when you look at Saquon Barkley being available from the beginning, and being versatile as he is running and catching the ball out of the backfield. You look at Waller as your tight end, being your number one receiver. You look at the ancillary ancillary receivers that you have. You look at Daniel Jones being able to advance the ball and move the chains with his legs. This offense should be better than it was last year. And defensively, they're good. So they could use the same formula that they had last year. Great defense, keep the games close. Wear the the opposing defense down, running the ball, and in the fourth quarter, you score, you win games. It worked for them last year, and they minimized Daniel Jones' turnovers. So the question here becomes, in theory, with Daniel Jones now able to move the ball down the field with more weapons in the air, does that correlate into more turnovers? If it does not, Giants are going to be better. If it makes more turnovers, a lot of pressure on the defense to minimize the damage from those turnovers. A lot of pressure. It's going to be an interesting football season. I'm looking forward to it.
0: A month away. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.